Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, Book Two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 38 Chicago Katie stared at the Chicago city map. She knew exactly where north, south, east, and west was in the middle of the woods. She could not tell where she was in relation to the map she was holding. She looked straight up at the tall high rises all around her. Looking back down at the map, she shook her head in frustration. She was definitely out of her element. It's got to be here somewhere. I don't get it, Cluxy said. How did they build the buildings so close together? You can't even walk between the two of them, let alone swing a hammer. Katie looked at the two skyscrapers Cluxy was staring at. She shook her head. Obviously, they didn't use a hammer. Looking down, she was trying to find where they were on the map. Looking up, she gave a sigh of relief. A police officer was walking briskly towards them. Excuse me, sir. Katie gave him a smile. Could you tell me where E. Chestnut is? The officer pointed behind them. He said something Katie had no idea what before walking past them. Whoa, Katie said with a grin. I have no idea what you just said. Do you mind speaking a little slower? Again, the officer pointed behind them and said something. Katie stared at him like an idiot. I think I got. Can't miss it at the end. Cluxy said helpfully with his thoughts. Katie gave the police officer her best smile. I'm sorry, officer. Can you repeat what you just said one more time? You go behind you two blocks, take a right two blocks. You can't miss it. The officer spoke so slow it took about a minute to get the sentence out. Can I deck him? Cluxy said with his thoughts. Katie pasted a smile on her face. Thank you, officer. I appreciate it. Fluxy watched the officer go by. Yankees always thinking they're far more intelligent than Southerners. Just ignore him, Katie said with a grimace. We showed them repeatedly we could outsmart them during the Civil War. Cluxy rattled off, still giving the officer's back a sour look. Cluxy, the Civil War has been over 150 years ago. Let it die, will you? Katie said as she followed behind the officer. We won almost every battle with fewer men and firepower, Cluxy said out loud. Katie could tell this must be one of Cluxy's favorite subjects. Yeah, except for the important ones. If Lee would not have gone north to Gettysburg, we would have won. Katie rolled her eyes. Do you think the South would have been better off succeeding from the North? That's not the point, Cluxy said with pride. The North 
had no business telling us what to do. Katie stopped. Seriously? We are having an argument about slavery? The Civil War was not about slavery. It was about the federal government thinking they could tell the South what they could and could not do. Which was over slavery, you moron! For someone who is quite intelligent, you are not thinking logically when it comes to this subject. Get your head out of your butt. The Civil War is over. Get over it. She started back down the street. If you have any intention of keeping Carla's attention, I suggest you lose the attitude. I can pretty much guarantee her personality is like her mom. She is not going to take any of that kind of talk at all. Turning her head back in front of her, she could see the officer had turned around. He was staring at them. She had no idea Cluxy and her voices carried. Now he was interested in the two of them. She gave the officer a quick smile, grabbed Cluxy, and crossed the street. Katie looked up at the tall, imposing building. Walking in, Cluxy was close on her heels, going through the long list of names. It looks like we need to go to the 22nd floor. I don't like heights. Katie decided to ignore him and push the elevator button. Walking into the plush office, the girl at the front desk gave them a frown. May I help you? The girl said in a tone that obviously meant she believed they were in the wrong building. Katie decided to ignore the rude behavior. Yes, we're here to see Steve Jones. The girl gave her a, are you kidding me look? Do you have an appointment? Katie just smiled. No, but I believe he's expecting us. Just tell him Katie Johnson's here to see him. Yankees are rude and condescending, Cluxy said with his thoughts. Katie rolled her eyes but didn't comment. The girl got off the phone. Her attitude and demeanor completely changed. Follow me? Katie smiled. See, you just got to know the right people. She said with her thoughts. Cluxy gave a whomp but didn't comment any further. Katie walked into a very large office with an imposing desk. The man sitting behind the desk had an air of authority about him that could not be denied. She stiffened her shoulders and boldly walked into the office. Hello, Mr. Jones. I'm Katie, and this is Cluxy. Jack Price told us you could be of assistance. The man behind the desk gave them a warm smile that didn't reach his eyes. Yes, it's nice to meet the two of you. How is Jack, by the way? I haven't seen him in ten years. Katie shrugged. The same as always, I guess. The man steepled his fingers. Do you mind me asking how you know Jack? Katie paused. Why all the questions? She asked Cluxy with her thoughts. Maybe he's just curious. Katie decided to turn the tables on the man in front of her. May I ask how you know Jack Price? The man chuckled. I went to school with Jack. He shook his head, smiling. Jack Price, Tom Franklin, and I were inseparable. He glanced up. Do you know Tom Franklin? Katie shrugged. Only by reputation. Steve Jones laughed. I'm sure the two Boy Scouts have a pristine reputation. Katie's eyes narrowed on the man. This man is dirty, she said with her thoughts. Cluxy gave her a quick look. 
What makes you think so? I don't know. It's the way he called them Boy Scouts. He's laughing at them. He thinks he's far more superior than they are. Clexi immediately stepped up, folding his arms. If you could just help us with what Jack asked you to do, we'll be on our way. Katie said as politely as she could. Jack Price hasn't asked me for a favor for over ten years. He gave them a curious look. What makes you so special? He would descend from his lofty perch and give me a call. Katie was running out of patience. Are you going to help us or not? The man gave her a surprised look. I'm just asking a few friendly questions. He looked them over. You obviously don't run in the same circles as the prices. Why is he so willing to help the two of you? Katie stared at the man, wondering what her options were. Finally, making a decision, she pulled out her cell phone, going through the caller IDs to find Jack's phone number. The man raised his eyebrows, watching her carefully. She dialed the number, waiting patiently. "Hello, Jack. This is Katie." I'm standing in front of Steve Jones, and he seems to be more interested in asking fifty questions than helping us. Give him your phone, Katie. Katie handed the man her phone. He wants to talk to you. She folded her arms, watching Steve say hello. His eyes never left hers as he listened carefully on her phone. He handed it back to her. Reaching into his desk, he pulled out the envelope. He placed it on the desk. Pushing it towards her, Katie reached for it and gave him a friendly smile. Thank you. She turned and left. Cluxy whistled under his breath. That was classy, he said with his thoughts. Katie turned and smiled at him. Cluxy grinned. I mean it, Katie. You acted like you were Cleopatra or something. The way you took control of the situation. She got on the elevator. How do you know how Cleopatra would act in a situation like this? Hey, I watch old movies like everyone else. Just don't let Zach know; he'll never let me forget it. Katie stepped out of the elevator. You watch old movies with Cleopatra in them? Elizabeth Taylor may have died an old woman, but she used to be seriously hot. Cluxy told her sheepishly. Katie shook her head, grinning, walking out the doors. She blinked into the bright sunlight. Halt! Police! Katie blinked again in the bright sunlight. The officer she had asked for directions was pointing a gun at the two of them. She automatically raised her hands as she heard Cluxy cussing under his breath. Catherine Johnson and Christopher Stevens, you are under arrest. The officer held his gun on them while he grabbed his radio, resting on his shoulder. I have the suspects. Katie carefully watched the officer's eyes. He blinked and glanced at his radio. She immediately took the opportunity to project her and Cluxy not present. She could see it work when the officer looked around with a startled expression on his features, swinging his gun around in a haphazard way. Can I deck him now? Cluxy said with his thoughts. He's just doing his job. They both gave the officer a wide berth. He was looking in every direction, pointing the gun everywhere. Katie heard sirens and decided to start running back to where they came from. Several police cars pulled up, 
and she dodged around running officers who obviously couldn't see her. Running down Grand Street, she could hear Cluxy following close behind her. She pointed to the L sign. There's the blue line. Cluxy didn't say anything until they were on the train heading back towards the others. Heaving a sigh of relief, Katie sat down in one of the chairs. That was close. Cluxy shook his head. You're not going to have any problems. He mimicked Zack. Just get on the blue line till you get to Grand. Piece of cake. Anyone can do it. You're right. When we see Zack, we both get to kill him. She glanced up at Cluxy, only to turn white as she saw a camera pointed in their direction. I may be able to fool the mind, but I'm not going to fool any kind of electronics. Cluxy turned his head to see what she was looking at and started cussing all over again. I'm going to kill that big white bear if it's the last thing I do. Katie got up and stood by the door, waiting impatiently for the train to stop. She heaved a sigh of relief when the doors opened, and there were not any officers pointing guns at them. She looked around, seeing cameras placed strategically every 50 feet. She calmly walked up the steps and started walking south. She hoped the cameras would eventually disappear the further they got away from downtown Chicago. I hope your day was more productive than mine, because mine was a total bust, Katie said with her thoughts, her frustration evident in every syllable. Katie, I have bonded with Jackson. He is in my mind, listening to everything you say. I hope you don't mind. A large lump settled in the base of Katie's throat, threatening to choke her. No, Candy, I don't mind. He needs an outlet for his mind, and that is the best way to do it. Katie paused to collect her thoughts. Did his dad come and take him away from the plantation house? He tried to, but Jackson refused to go. The new seekers can come and report to him without being seen. Justin and the Purehearts also come regularly, bringing updates. Katie settled down in her motel bed and tried to relax. The biggest news I have to tell, we are bulletproof. One of you got shot? Cluxy decided to go see Zack's mom in his birthday suit, where most of the Yankees can't see his projection. Zack's neighbors decided to show him what they think about his tattoos, Katie reiterated. While Cluxy is lying on the ground playing possum, Zack starts screaming at the top of his lungs and tries to fight everyone on the street. Candy started giggling. I'm glad you think it's funny. Katie immediately started seeing the funny side of the story. When he finds out Cluxy isn't even hurt, he's so mad he refuses to be around Cluxy. Cluxy and I try to go downtown to meet a friend of Jack Price's. He's supposed to give us some cash because apparently the police are tracking us with Jackson's credit card. They intend on arresting us for his murder. Candy is giggling in earnest. Katie can just picture her, trying to hold the giggles in with her hand. We get lost, and I ask an officer for directions. Since we are in Chicago, he doesn't speak proper English, and I don't understand anything he says. I have to ask him three times to repeat it. He starts talking like we're a bunch of morons. You know, real loud and slow-like. Katie smiled as Candy's giggles continued. 
We go up to meet Price's friend, who starts asking us fifty questions about his two Boy Scout friends, Jack Price and Tom Franklin. I eventually had to call in the big guns. Jack Price whipped his old school pal into shape, and we were finally able to get the cash. We then go out of the building, and the officer who gave us directions decided he recognized us from some wanted poster and tries to arrest us. Oh no! Katie loved the fact Candy was making the proper responses. I had to project my super projection to get away from the police, who immediately started swarming the place, only to find out there are cameras pointing in every direction in downtown Chicago. We didn't dare ride any public transit and had to jog all the way back to where the others were. She sighed. Now there are pictures of us from I don't know how many cameras showing we have the ability to appear invisible. Oh no! What are you going to do now? I don't know. While we were dodging the police, David and Zach decided to investigate Chicago West. The building is just an empty shell. David tells me the building was obviously in use for something recently, but there is no evidence to lead us anywhere else. How about Hank? Katie sighed. Hank comes and goes at will. I thought he was lost until he decided to come to the rescue when Zach's neighbors decided to play cowboy and Indians on Cluxy. Now he's gone again to who knows where. Maybe you should come home. Candy's thoughts were concerned. My thoughts exactly. Cluxy has decided he hasn't had time to wine and dine Zach's little sister and has disappeared. He refuses to answer any of our calls. Or in Zach's case, threats. She sighed again. So what's going on in your neck of the woods? Five of the six seekers who had the sleeping sickness were able to communicate with their thoughts. Each of them is ecstatic. You cared enough about them to come and see them. Apparently, they are completely devoted to you. I was there for less than five minutes. You showed them you cared. They haven't felt that from anyone for a long time. Candy paused. Those were Jackson's words. Hearing Jackson's words through Candy created an ache in Katie's throat. She shoved it down into her chest, where it burned. Justin is taking charge of the older Pierhearts. They are taking turns following Lizzie and to see if they lead to where Nora is. Personally, I think she gave Nora to someone else and will not go around her, so she doesn't have to be reminded what she has done. Katie nodded. You're probably right. Then Lizzie can say to herself, "I didn't kill her." Someone else did. I started following my mother around. Candy said, "I'm sorry. This must be really hard for you." Yes, it is. Katie waited patiently for Candy to collect her thoughts and continue. My mom is going to an old church outside of Centerville. I wanted to follow her in, but Jackson wouldn't let me. Katie sat up excited. Why? Because there were three malice walking around the place. So there's something important going on there," Katie said, her excitement building. Finally, we were able to turn the tables on them and find out what they were up to. Jackson has asked some of the seekers who have the strongest evil smell to watch the place for us," Candy explained. Katie lay back down, contemplating everything she learned. "Do you realize it's time for a new moon?" Candy asked out of the blue. Katie shook her head. "No, more pure hearts are going to start transforming tonight." Candy reminded her, "You and David have to call out to them and direct them where they need to go." Katie nodded. How many pure hearts eventually showed up from the last call? Ninety-six. 
Katie bolted upright. What? You heard me right. The newborn seekers have their hands full, teaching them what they should need to know to survive. The compound is maxed out to capacity right now. No one knows what to do with the pure hearts that will arrive after your call. We've got two weeks, Candy. Two weeks to prepare for the battle of our lives. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. If you are enjoying this series and would like to help support it, I have created a pod fan and Patreon account where you can donate. The best thing you can do is tell your friends and family about this series and let them participate. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.